Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Katharina Unger of Living Farms to talk about her experience with insect farming. Katharina grew up raising chickens, cows, and horses on the border of Austria and Hungary. Noticing the dramatic state of our food system while living in Hong Kong, she is now determined to, quote, design nature for humans, unquote. Her first product that she is developing with her company, Living Farms, is the world's first tabletop device for edible insects. Katharina is a Fulbright alum, congratulations, and an award-winning industrial designer. Welcome to the show today, Katharina. Thank you. I'm I'm very happy to be here. Thank Yay. you. Thanks for inviting me. And I, you know, when I saw this, you had sent me an email earlier this month, and when I saw it, it's like, oh my gosh, we got to get her on the show because it's so. <laughs> it it is what you're up to is is dare I say revolutionary? I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. So <laughs> that's great to hear. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path that you took to get where you're at now? Yeah, sure. Yeah, as you uh, as, as you you already mentioned before, I grew up in a in a very tiny place uh, on the border between Austria and Hungary, um, and so you know, food production and um, um, farming is something that is very close to me. I you know, bringing food on the table literally was an everyday thing when I when I grew up. Oh, I'll bet. Um, so I had yeah, I, I had uh, I had a lot of different, you know, career wishes mm-hmm. <laughs> during my childhood and, and, and youth. Uh, so I wanted to, like, become an artist and a musician. But more than that, I wanted to become a vet, actually, a veterinarian. Oh, interesting. And, um, yeah, but but in, in the country, you know, you have a lot of big animals, mm-hmm. cows and horses, and I'm a very small person. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so they told me, they told me that, Oh, if you become a vet, then you you have to work with with small animals. Uh-huh. And I, I actually never wanted that. I, I wanted to work with large animals, but they said I'm physically just not equipped to do that. Is that like so, uh, is that like bears and lions and tigers? <laughs> 
that could have been another option. Yeah, there I wanted go. to work with horses and cows, uh, right? Yeah. And um, so, so well, funny, funny enough that I now end up working with with very small, small. creatures. There you go. <laughs> Um, but I ended up uh, studying industrial design and going going to the city, and um, so I, I went to Hong Kong actually to to work as an industrial designer, designing parts of cars and products, medical products and consumer products, and uh, I you know I felt that that there there was something missing here. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do something that that really connected me with 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 where I grew up and, and what, what, what was really important to me. So I started to, in, in Hong Kong specifically, because there's such an abundance of food and, and almost no one you know, knows where it actually comes from. Right. And people sometimes don't even know, you know what, what the name of the food is. Oh, wow. And you know, coming from, yeah, coming from, from, this, from my background and, and going, going to, to Hong Kong, I, I found this absolutely astonishing. So I started to look into into the system of food production and how um, how, how meat specifically is is produced mm-hmm. and how it's brought to such a huge city like Hong Kong. Right. And yeah, this this was really when I started to look into alternatives and I started to look into algae and um, even lab grown meat and I just wanted to find different ways of how we could um, get protein into our diets without, you know, without the, the largely inefficient system of, of factory farming. Right. And specifically to connect people more to, to where their food comes from and, and, and to make them appreciate and, and, and be healthy. So um, insects were one of the <laughs> unobvious uh, solutions that I right. found out about. And to be fully honest, I, I wasn't um, I wasn't totally convinced from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I was not a, an insect person to to start with, but what I did was I I decided to just just give it a try. So I I went to the pet store. I got a few different kinds of insects: uh, mealworms, locusts, ah. crickets, right. <laughs> so-called superworms, very large uh, mealworms, right. and I started to just process them at home and see what it feels like. And, and seriously, it took me, I never actually say that publicly, <laughs> but uh-huh. it took me the whole day to make this first bite. Oh, I'm sure. So it, I'm sure. Yeah. So, so it, it wasn't easy for me in the beginning either. Uh, but then I, I started to, I, I found it so intriguing, um, insect as a food source, that I, that I started to grow them. And I started to design habitats for them, so that with the vision of of um, that people could grow their own protein in their in their homes. So that really that really fascinated me. Wow. So, so that's that's how my my journey with with insects really started. Wow. And well, and the the significant thing about insects is that there uh, there's a lot of protein in them. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, it depends on, on the species of insects, um, but the mealworms that I'm currently uh, growing with my, with my company, mm-hmm. they have um, roughly uh, the same amount of protein as beef, for example. Oh, wow. But then with a very beneficial amino acid profile, uh, with a lot of vitamins, fibers, lots of things that, that, that a lot of other types of meat um, misses. So you're, hold on, you've, you're classifying bugs as a, as a meat, Yes. 
Yes, I would. I would argue so. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So tell it. So let's jump in here. You you have a company. It's called Livin Farms. Mm-hmm. And you've created this product. Tell us about this. Okay. Well, yeah. Me and my company were um, we're developing the the world's first tabletop farm to grow your own edible insects in your home. Um, the fascination and inspiration behind this was that, you know, you can grow a lot of a lot of things in your home, uh-huh. um, like you know vegetables and and some some people even grow mushrooms. So so that's great, but very often you're you know you're limited in space and what you can get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not not really a lot of solutions of growing proteins in your home. Right. So vegetables, you know, have a lot of fiber and vitamins, um, but there's there's not a lot of things that you could that that could replace animal uh, animal proteins that you could easily just grow in your home. Right. So insects have this this great opportunity that they can they can be grown on small spaces. They require very little water. They can be grown on waste materials things right. that we cannot use to eat anymore. And yeah, they so, so and and their efficiency is actually quite high. So you know you cannot grow a pig easily in your in your home if you're living quite urban mm-hmm. uh, you certainly cannot grow um, a cow right um, but you can grow mealworms right. that have the same protein content as as beef wow so the bugs that you've experimented with and grown mm-hmm. to eat mealworms what else oh uh, yeah so we're currently growing mealworms I, I before that I also grew black soja flies and their larvae. Right. Um, and then we also had some experience, experiments with crickets, mm-hmm. with superworms. Yes, so we, we wow. tried we, we tried a few different species. Well, I, I, <laughs> but for the, yeah? Go ahead, please. So we, we, we went for the mealworms for this first product. I actually had done some previous designs with black soldier. That was the initial right. uh, species that I started out with. So I started to design a habitat for black soldier fly mm-hmm. larvae. It was called Farm 432, protein grown in 432 hours, which is around 18 days that it takes right. from the egg to harvest. Yep, exactly. Um, and... But we switched to to the mealworm for for as a consumer product as a consumer home farm because the mealworm is is relatively easy to grow at home. Right. It is very neutral in taste, so it's it's very easy for people. Or I guess <laughs> I guess I'm speaking uh, that 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 is a bit exaggerated to say it is it is very easy for people to uh-huh. get into. <laughs> it's into e- easier, yeah. <laughs> I have to. But I have it's, to. T- it's definitely a gateway insect. A gateway. Oh, there we go. I love that. A gateway insect. Well, I have to tell you. So I, I teach at Arizona State University, and um, a couple of semesters ago, uh, some of uh, two groups of my students presented uh, projects that included. Mm-hmm. Uh, edible insects they were presenting on edible insects so really this whole notion for me of edible insects is just something that's happened in the last 18 months absolutely yeah the, the you're, you're right so so when i started out that was actually two years ago a bit over two years ago uh-huh. and back then it was really a crazy idea uh-huh. i published it on the web 
it got covered all all around the world and it was really something that people had not heard about before right. largely mm -hmm. um, but now in in the last few years there's been so many things happening the the United Nations came out with a big report that that they really recommend that people should eat more insects. Um, and there's been a lot of research done on edible insects ever since, and uh, a lot of different projects all around the world to push edible insects wow. as, as, as a new, new, new source of food. So, so uh, it, it's been really great timing, actually, to, that, that we now uh, come out with our product, because uh -huh. I, I feel that, that now the time is, it, time is much much more it's a much more mature moment of Perfect. time to, yeah, I was gonna say, to people suggest are, it people are are at least it's it's on their radar for some of us and yeah exactly yeah exactly when i when i gave a presentation two two years back it, it was a very exotic topic and almost no one had heard about it right. before but but now you know a lot of people usually almost everybody you meet has heard about it before mm -hmm. Um, and then very often, a, a few people in the audience have already tasted it somewhere. Mm, interesting. So yeah. th this, this is really curious for me because we actually, here at the Urban Farm, we grow black soldier fly larvae. Oh, right. Yeah, well, and it's for the chickens, and they just love mm -hmm. them. You know, the cool thing about black soldier fly larvae is when they're ready to go from stage one to stage two, they climb up a ramp and into a bucket. yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's a it, it's a super fascinating insect. Yeah. yeah, so you chose not to go that route because of their taste. Are they a little bit more potent bug to eat? <laughs> yeah. Well, so so yes, they are. Well, they they can be quite neutral in taste, uh -huh. but they can definitely also be a bit more distinct. It depends uh -huh. when you harvest them and what uh, they eat, when you cook them, and what they eat. Yeah. Yes. So, so um, black, black soldier fly larvae are definitely a uh, culinary experience that is <laughs> maybe not everybody's taste, yeah. or that is something for for the you know for for the person that has already experienced insects before. I think right. also just mentally, um, you know, pe people have 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 more of a hurdle to overcome when when you talk about flies oh, right. and their larvae yeah. than than the mealworm. Yeah, exactly. Well, my first, interestingly enough, my first uh, experience ever with edible bugs was in 1991. Um, oh. Only because, only because I was doing my first permaculture design course and mm -hmm. the, the person that was teaching my permaculture design course was a Vietnam vet. And he made a comment oh. while we were in the course that when he was in Vietnam, one of the things they had to do was eat bugs because there wasn't any other food around for them. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, somebody in the somebody in the classroom kind of chuckled and and, you know, dared him and so he actually went out and harvested some grasshoppers <laughs> and brought them in and consumed them while we were in class in 1991 and he said, wow. "Oh, and the the point here is is that one of the things he said was, "Oh, that one tasted like basil." So <laughs> Obviously that because you know, it's eaten basil. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I'm wondering. I know with mealworms, they they just grow up on what like oats. Yeah, they they really like uh, like oats. They like some grain, 
as a base feed, um, mm-hmm. and then they also like carrots and apples. So you oh. can you can actually we've already also did experiments on on growing them on a non-grain base. All right, interesting. Um, because we well we specifically want to want to want to push the idea you know that you do not have to buy any food for them. All right. So you can really use things that you have already available in your kitchen, and that that might be grain in some in some ways, but. Uh-huh. But we don't, yeah, we, we, we really want to, you know, have this as sustainable as possible. Yeah. Well, and that could be just scrap coming out of my kitchen, right? Yeah. So I cut off the end of a, cut off the end of carrots and celery and it goes into the, into the bug box for them to eat. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. I mean, they, they, they are definitely not as, um, they, they cannot eat as, as, as much of a uh, variety as black soldier fly larvae. Uh-huh. So we would not recommend to you know, put any sludge in there, any soups, too, too liquid substances oh, right. can definitely be a problem. Yes. Um, but, but other than that, yes, you can, you can definitely feed, feed most of your kitchen scraps. Oh, interesting. Fascinating. So what, what question are I, am I not asking you? Cause I, this is so new to me. I don't even know what to ask you. What, Tell me something fascinating about this. <laughs> well, I think I, I think mealworms are, are, are very fascinating. I, I got to know them better in the last months of of our product development, and you know what we found out about them is that they're a real superfood. So we tend to talk about insects always, you know, about the next protein source, and right. it's definitely inspiring to think of them as as an, an animal protein substitute. But I think what is what is really remarkable about them is that they do have, you know, a lot of vitamin B, B12, oh, wow. and B5, B5, uh-huh. which is very good for your skin. Yep. They also have a lot of potassium. Potassium is is something that most um, Americans and Europeans actually lack, and the lack of it causes strokes. Oh, right. So. So that is very healthy. So in China, we, we went, we, I sp- actually spent the last couple of months in, in China, and there we visited uh, mealworm farms. And what they do with mealworms is they extract the essential oil from it and oh. make actually skin lotion out of it. Oh, wow. So it's, it's really remarkable that in Asian, especially in the Asian, in Asian regions, um, I found out that that, that insects are already valued not only for yeah. their nutritional values, but also for medicinal purposes. Right. Well, that and would... then some, there's some cutting-edge research, actually, that is very new that, um, that suggests, and I think it needs to be proven, but, but that is very interesting that mealworms um, seem to have an enzyme that suppresses an enzyme in, in, in the human body that causes... Alzheimer's disease. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, and of course, nature would put something like that in place. Yeah, right. We just it, need to need to find it exactly and utilize it exactly. So, uh, what do you do with the ooh ooh factor with all of this? Because <laughs> you know, it, it, when it first, uh, to be honest with you, when it first came across my desk, it was for me, it was a little bit of an ooh. Because, you know, it's like yeah. eating bugs. What do you do with that as you're, you know, as you're marketing this awesome project? Yeah, I think that is, I mean, that, that's such an important, important piece of the puzzle. You're right. That's a, that's one of the biggest hurdles. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, definitely. Um, so what, what we experienced was that 
that once people understand our, our, our desktop hive, once they see how it's grown, that it's hygienic, that it's clean, that it's healthy mm-hmm. and sustainable, they, they, they really easily actually get excited about it. And then the point of where they, where they try it, uh-huh. that becomes much easier to, to get to. Um, that's what we found out, and mm-hmm. so also from a personal experience. Ever since I, I grew them myself, mm-hmm. I, I started to look at it. In, you know, in the beginning, it was also very hard for me. But then I started to look at it really as a food source, and not something you know that you would find somewhere in your house and you oh, just right. don't want to look at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, I think design uh, really plays a key role in there. So yeah. we're trying to everything that we. When we talk about edible insects, when we publish something, you will also see um, on our on our website that everything is designed. Every every step of the interaction that you have with this device, where you grow your own mealworms, um, all of this is is designed so that you, as a user, um, have a, a, a pleasant experience doing this. Mm, that's the design part. Yeah. So in in our intro. Uh, this is a quote from you. You said you design nature for humans, unquote. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I, I, I really dedicated my, my work as a designer to to doing projects about about nature. Um, I, I felt that that you know we as cons- we as consumers, consumers anyway, a very particular word, we as humans have have become very, distant from from where our food yes, is absolutely is, is grown right the places where we consume it are very far away typically from the places where we where we produce it mm-hmm. um, and and therefore we 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 really don't know anymore what we eat and 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 the market usually doesn't really give us a, a choice either right we, we do not we're not allowed to know enough information about it um, so my my I felt that design is a very strong tool in in making people understand something and communicating important messages to people. Right. And that's why that's why I started to to design tools and objects that put nature in a place where where humans have an easier time utilizing it oh, in the right good. way and yeah. understanding mm-hmm. it. Wow. That's powerful. <laughs> so well, gonna... I hope I hope it works. So the the, the hive, our our mealworm hive, is really, you know, the the first the first step in in testing these assumptions right. and seeing whether people we have a lot of people already who got it and who um who who are really excited about it mm-hmm. and now it's going to be, uh, you know, super exciting for us to to see. Uh, how they actually interact with it, and and and, and what comes out of this? It, it, it's sort of a bit of a, a, an experiment. Yes, well. I love that. I'm I'm, <laughs> people that know me know that I love to experiment. So, so I'm going to shift you shift here a little bit because um, you know I always like to let our listeners know that it's just not all easy. And so, what I'd like to know is, can you tell us about a time that you failed and how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I, I mean, there's there's been so many times um, that, that I failed already within this project. I I think that one of the very first ex- experiences was that 
when I started to to grow insects in my home, mm-hmm. it was it did not only happen once, you know, that they got out and oh. <laughs> I suddenly saw uh, some some strange spots on my floor uh-huh. <laughs> or that my, my flatmates back then totally freaked out or that oh, yes. some bug showed up somewhere. Um, <laughs> so th- those were times when, when I started to think, you know, oh my God, will I ever succeed in, mm-hmm. in, in making this a, uh, to a product that a person can, can handle um, that is not totally crazy about bugs, you know? Right. So it, it was really a challenge to, to get it to a point um, of the design um, w- where we can really feel comfortable in, in, in shipping it to, to uh, some, some person on the other end of the world mm-hmm. and, and uh, expecting that this person can, can deal with it and can, can have these, the bugs all contained, keep it clean. So I, I think that that was... Like uh, a lot of times in the process, uh, I was I was not sure if we're ever going to be able to succeed in it, you know, to right. contain it, to make it nice. Right. And um, yeah, but I think we I think we we got it quite quite far now. Um, yeah, and then and maybe another type uh, another another time there was a failure was when uh, earlier this year that was actually shortly before there, there was a time where where I where I felt that um, if this project maybe is going to die mm-hmm. um, because it was very hard to convince people that, that this could be a viable business, that this could, that people actually might want such a device. Uh, yeah, I, I, I pushed it further then and, and I, I, um, I made some, some beta units for a research institute mm. in Malaysia mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year. So and, it, so- it, um, it sounds to yeah. me like a lot of the overcoming has been the social overcoming of will people actually buy into eating bugs and then number two uh, getting away getting out of your head enough to trust that it was going to work yeah I guess you can say that I guess you can sum it up like this yeah very well put I think that this is it was definitely the, the biggest challenge yeah. to to make other people believe in this idea too mm-hmm. and and make them believe beyond the point where they just say you know it's interesting but where they say yes i'm actually willing to try it mm-hmm. oh perfect so what do you consider one of your biggest successes well i think that that i possibly cannot cannot speak of this as a, as a, as a real success just yet but but I, I think that that I'm actually and, and me and the company we're actually going to make it happen now and right. just daring to 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 try this mm-hmm. and make it a reality. Um, I think that is is in some way a success on its own. Um, I, I think that we we really you know um, designed the product now to an extent where where it's ready for manufacturing, where we can can put it out there. Um, Within a reasonable amount of time, and and I think that there just been a lot of people along the way who who really doubted mm-hmm. um, that this could ever work. Right. Um, and now we we've, we've run our we're running a Kickstarter campaign right now, and it's been ten days in I think now, 
and we've had almost 100 orders already. So seeing that the response is so wow. positive and that, yeah, and that, that people are actually buying into this idea and, 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 and want to be part of this new movement mm -hmm. is, is great. That, that's really, I think, I think, a success. Perfect. Perfect. So here's a deep question for you. What, what drives you? What's your big why? What drives me? I, I guess that it's what, what drives me is that I, I would like to share this experience and this thought with a larger audience that I had or experienced when I was a, a child growing up on a farm. Uh-huh to seeing how food is grown, to appreciating it, and to being, being part of, 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 of the process of growing this food. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, that's something I, I, I want to share and, and make people aware of. Wow. And, yeah, I, th I think that's, that's really what, what drives me. And also just the, 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 as much as there is doubt about, about this, as a new food and, mm -hmm. and there's risks associated with it for sure. It's still, um, it's still also the positive response from people that, that keeps coming in about it. The, the good feedback that, that also just keeps me going. Right. Perfect. Wow. Okay, cool. So I want to dive in real quickly. We got a few minutes left. I want to know about yeah. this project. So the project you're currently working on is a tabletop, um, bug hotel should we call it that yeah you, you can <laughs> yeah we, we call it a hive um oh a hive right oh that it, makes perfect sense yeah uh so it's a it's a tabletop farm that you can that you can use in in your home to 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 grow these edible insects and if i was looking at one sitting on the counter what would it look like all right well it looks like a um, like like a small kind of a, a cupboard with a couple of drawers, mm -hmm. and in each drawer um, there is one life stage of of the, the mealworm contained. Mm -hmm. So it starts in the top with the beetles, um, or with the pupae actually. Mm -hmm. Out of these pupae, the beetles hatch. The beetles, you know, have fun. We call it the beetle love shack. Oh, <laughs> they, <laughs> perfect. They they lay their eggs into an uh, uh, on a on a mesh, so they fall through into an egg drawer um, where the eggs um, are, are lying, and then out of those eggs, the the little baby mealworm larvae hatch, and they also fall through a tiny, uh, very fine mesh, and um, they fall into the first drawer, and then every um, then there's six drawers um, wow. for each week of mealworm development, and once a week. You switch uh, a handle, so it contains louver bottoms, mm -hmm. so the, the bottoms of these drawers can be opened um, in order to move one uh, one week of development into the on, into the next lower drawer, uh -huh. um, so that by the time they reach the last drawer, they are they have the right harvest size. Oh, wow! And then, and this is the actual innovation behind it. Mm -hmm. They then fall into a harvest area. Where they where there's vibrating, very mildly vibrating cysts, um, where they are separated from the different life stages, so they they will contain pupae already, uh, and then there will be some frass, uh -huh. and um, so that the ones that you harvest that land in the harvest uh, tray in the harvest 
drawer in the bottom, those are really clean and healthy, active wow. mealworms. So you are a designer, aren't you? That was <laughs> yes. that's fascinating. I can't wait to see one in action. Yeah. So, and, you know, I have to say at this point, I, I don't know that I could get to a place of actually eating one. However, <laughs> however, maybe another market for you, because I would buy one of these um, hives from you mm -hmm. to grow them for my chickens. Oh, so, you know, yeah, I, we, we have had some requests from, yeah. from people who, who grow chickens. Yeah, because yes. we have we have 20 hens here at the urban farm, and I'm always looking for an a better way to feed them here on site and if I can raise food here on site then um, you know it, it cuts down my my feed bill so yeah. you know that's just a thought yeah I mean yeah you you're you're absolutely welcome to to use them for other purposes yeah. too perfect so yeah. the Kickstarter so tell let's talk about the Kickstarter and where do we find out about that we're gonna list it on the She's uh, Peyton's got it on our um, on the show notes page. But tell us about the okay. Kickstarter and the different levels of the Kickstarter, uh, and so on, please. All right. Yes. So, so um, for, for anyone who's not, uh, I think in the U.S., a lot of people are familiar with crowdfunding. Uh, but for those who are not, Kickstarter is a crowdfunding platform, which means that um, it allows us to to um, have have a, a a system in place where we can collect pre-orders from from people so mm -hmm. people who see our project and who are excited about it and who want to get the, the product they can uh, uh, set a pre-order there and pay with with their credit cards mm -hmm. and um, it runs for a certain amount of time so we we run the campaign until 8th of January and until this moment of time we have to reach a certain funding amount right. in order for the success uh, for, for the campaign to be successful so until then, we're collecting pre-orders, and they have a discounted price if you order it early. Um, and then we're going to deliver and, and ship the product uh, in 2016. So and you can so there's different levels of pledges that you can make on this on this Kickstarter campaign. You can, for example, say, "All right, this is a very interesting project, and I like to support these these people, um, but I, I don't really." Uh, want any sort of product, and you can only pledge one dollar or ten dollars, mm -hmm. um, or you can pledge uh, a bit more and receive a food sample. So basically, this ah, is for people who say right. they want to, you know, they want to try it, yep. but they're not quite ready yet to to grow their own. Mm -hmm. So so those people can can pledge something and and receive um, a pack of sample uh, toasted mealworms from us. Uh -huh. And and then obviously there's the the key pledge is is to to get a get a a mealworm farm get wow. a hive right. for your home. Perfect. And and so what's your website? Okay, uh, our website is www.livinfarms.com. So l i v i n farms.com, and there you can also find the Kickstarter link. Perfect. So I'm all about education, and I have to know, uh, has there been one or two books that have been most influential for you in your life? Yeah, um, I mean, there, there's been a, a lot of different books that, that influenced me in, 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 in my work and in my life. But um, I, I think that there's, it's hard to pinpoint really one, but I think Michael Pollan's work, obviously, yeah, is, exactly. is a very temporary influence. 
And then uh, Eating Animals from Jonathan Safran Foer uh, was very influential in the development of this of this project too because it it looks at factory farming but not from an activist standpoint but really from a relatively neutral standpoint oh, with a lot of uh, data. Right. And and then one that it really also framed sort of a more inspirational way of how 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 I'm thinking in my work was in um, with Christopher Columbus. So he had to report back to Europe with letters uh, in Latin uh-huh. um, about his travels um, and about what he discovered in in the new you know in the new land. Right. And when I was in high school, I I, I had to translate these uh, oh letters my gosh. In, in Latin. Yeah, I had Latin as as one of my major subjects. So I was translating his letters um, about the new world, wow. and it was it was yeah, it was quite fascinating to see, you know, what he. There's been a lot of political debate, obviously, about how he dealt with with people in the new world. Mm-hmm. But what was what was intriguing was how he how he went into the jungle, that the jungles that he experienced, and then. He described the birds and the animals and the foods. Oh, you know, most yes. of the food was brought by, you know, by by him or or his mm-hmm. um, or, or people after him right. who, who then distributed all these crops around the world that we eat now. Right. Um, and it's it's interesting how he describes a lot of the foods and how he compares them to to things that that he knows from back home. Right. I think that's a very it's a very interesting cultural perspective that, that you wow. can read out of those those lines and letters. Fantastic. Wow, that must have been a heck, one heck of a project for you when you were uh, younger, huh? <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it, though. Perfect. So do you have one final piece of advice for our listeners? Oh, wow. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm equipped to give advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I, I would say if I think about uh, about my work uh-huh. and and the topics that that are important to me, I think that in the last in the last few years I, I learned to to really get into try to to get into other people's heads and think about a topic about the topic that is important to me mm-hmm. um, or or to the listeners out there and think about it from other people's point oh, of yes. view and try to try to be you know empathetic about it. Um, and then, then I think you will find new ways of how to tell a story about about your work, mm-hmm. about about a topic that is important to you, and you will be able, I think, to to better connect people to what you what you really want to say. Beautiful. Yeah, you were completely qualified to answer that question. That was a beautiful answer. So, <laughs> so how can our listeners get a hold of you? What's the best way? Oh, the best way is to 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 really check out our website liveinfarms.com Perfect. to uh, see our our Kickstarter page and our campaign. There's a lot of background information there. You see, for example, a section cut of our hive design. Uh-huh. So you you will see how it works. Uh, you will see uh, the nutritional composition of mealworms, the sustainability of it, the, the food conversion rate. Um, and, and yeah, basically how it works and, and, and how also you can read a bit of the story. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, um, a, a, an email address there, which is contact at liveinfarms.com. And you can also always reach me through, through that. Perfect. We also have a Twitter handle, so it's at L studio bird 
or at Katerina Unger one. Um, you can always you're always welcome to, to tweet at me and ask me anything. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I love, 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 love what you're doing. Thank you so much for jumping out there and, and living on the edge. That's I think a lot of magic happens out there. So thank you so much. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking to me. It was a pleasure. You bet. Thanks for joining us on the show today and sharing your experience. Katharina, it's been a treat to chat with you and hear your experience around bug farming. How cool is that? <laughs> All pleasure on my side. Thank you. Very good. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.